The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. You have a son or daughter who is younger and is at another church with a friend and the pastor preaches on this text. Your child comes home and tells you what they've heard. The sermon was as clear as day. They've been told as if from Jesus himself to sell their possessions. You walk into their bedroom and they have already started packing things up. What do you say? My parents never had to worry about this stuff with me. Sell your possessions. Yeah, right. I was a nervous little fella who kept everything super safe. I grew up watching Home Alone. And from a very early age, I had this deep recoiling fear that I was going to star in a real-life Home Alone movie. And so, like Macaulay Calkin, I became a master of the booby trap. 
I would construct these elaborate traps with the primary unit of armor being a rubber band. This is a true story. I would <laughs> tie rubber bands together and stretch them around my room. At first, this started as a simple one or two stretched back, simple mechanisms, you know, just a quick pop to anyone opening the door. But things ramped up a little bit after my seventh birthday. My room became outfitted with fine and valuable keepsakes. A Super Nintendo and a sweet boombox that played, get this, both cassettes and CDs. Yeah. Formerly, the price of admission was a pop. Now there would be no admission. I stretched the rubber bands all around the room until it looked like a big spider web in there. A Swiss vault of rubber bands. And I was always adding more. There would be a knock on the door. Stand down, thief. I'd macho out over the music. Usually this was my little sister. I was safe. Crank the music, fire up the Super Nintendo. Sell your possessions, we hear through the door this morning. Stand down, thief. In one very important sense, Jesus does not hate possessions. The High and Holy One of Israel didn't become flesh so that we might all sell our flat screens and get 200-pound RCAs. He didn't empty himself out in love so that we all downsized into one-room studio apartments. That is not what I think Jesus' comments about possessions is about. In fact, to the preacher who told your child to sell their possessions, I would kindly go point out to him how Jesus spends a lot of time with people of means and seems to be okay with their possessions. Jesus doesn't tell everyone he meets to give it all away. Economy is good. The world is good. That sleek new gadget that we have, that we are preaching from, is good. <laughs> On the other hand, Jesus doesn't always like what possessions can do to people. It's not that private wealth management, tax-free municipal bonds, and Chilean sea bass are dirty words. It's just that maybe when our lips begin forming these big fancy words, we become tempted to forget the most simplest and precious words of all. Words like faith, hope, and love. The problem is not with the possession. The problem is with how quickly possessions can begin to possess us. We begin saying one of the most insidious words that humans have ever thought up. Mine. 
There I was, sitting in the middle of my Swiss vault of rubber bands, guarding my stuff. And here was the problem. I was trapped in my room. No one could get in my room, but I couldn't get out. This didn't really bother me until I realized that it was going to take 30 minutes of dismantling to get to the bathroom. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, where we have been for the last couple of weeks, is about two things. Fear and one of fear's favorite assistants. Greed. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. He says in verse 7, fear not, just as he tells us this morning. And then he goes into last week's message. You'll remember how it ended. The man has spent his entire life spending and saving and protecting building bigger and bigger barns, not too unlike a little boy with a Swiss fault of rubber bands. They are both afraid of heaven only knows what. Doesn't this happen to all of us all the time? Don't we live in a society that promotes this? We clutch and we cling and we build and we protect and we live and we die for, for what? and we utter fear's favorite words. More, more, more. John Calvin, the Swiss reformer, said that the human heart is an idol-making factory. Calvin was a Presbyterian, so that may be a little bit grim for us Episcopalians, but perhaps it wouldn't be too much to say that the human heart is a rubber band-making factory. A knock on the door of this kind of life is a threat. Stand down, thief. Well, I'm not sure who tired of the booby trap phase first, me or my dad. But I remember how it ended. My dad cracked open my door and there was a firework display of rubber. <laughs> he didn't look angry or really all that annoyed. He just told me to have everything cleaned up before dinner. If you have plans of eating, he told me, you'll have to hand over every single one of your rubber bands. On the one hand, I was aghast, assailant. How dare someone speak with such daring? But on the other, I was hungry and probably a little lonely too. And I only knew one place that offered supper. So I said that Jesus didn't come to live and die as one of us. He didn't go to the cross in love and rise again in victory so that we might not have nice things. There is more going on in this morning's gospel than that. The cross Christ is something stranger and infinitely more beautiful than that. Jesus' last words in John's Gospel, you'll remember, were, it is finished, which today we might translate as, friends, hand me your rubber bands. This game of fear is over. We're done with that. 
And I think here we have a picture of church. We have a picture of what we are bringing our new friend into, inviting him to join us in. Each time we come forward for communion, that central act of church, we come down the stairs. Sometimes our hands aren't holding much, but sometimes they are holding wads of little rubbery elastics. We come, sometimes sad, lots of stumbling, but, we've, but we come. We've heard there's a supper here, and we're hungry. Here you go, we say as we turn over the fear. We feel like we are parting with so much. Sometimes it's like an end of an era. But as we hand them over, we see the delight on our Heavenly Father's face, and we know it's worth it. A load of rubber bands, a Swiss vault of rubber bands for a feast and a treasure, for a royal kingdom of infinite glory and infinite worth. All we do is open our hands and receive it. Amen. Amen.